All right, we are back, Creator Club Podcast, episode 69. You're here with John Marsh. And if you're a coach or creative business owner, we do this podcast to create episodes to help you to grow your business, to help you to build a world that you love with your business, set, uh, learn to love your sales and your selling process, and build confidence in the whole process as well. Today, we've got a conversation with Jade Sansom, who is the founder and creator behind Nature's Lane which is a holistic wellness center and service for kids. So Jade is an OT and she's moved from, uh, I guess, a private practice setting to owning her own business. She started the journey from scratch. So in this episode, we talk about how she did that exactly. So if you are a you know physio service provider and you're working for someone, in you know a bit more of an institutional setting and you want to create your own thing there'll be a lot of value in here jade talks about the specific steps that she took to build the client base early and basically match the salary very quickly from her professional job in her own business uh, which is very cool because she gets a lot more creativity a lot more time and can do things in a way that is more powerful and suits her and her clients let's jump into the show you're here with john marsh and this is the creator club podcast i graduated from university i was super lucky that i got offered a new grad position at the place i was doing my fourth year practical placement so i pretty much went straight into full-time work after uni is this newcastle yeah newcastle yeah. uni and so it was grew, local grew up here? yeah grew up yeah. in newcastle so it was kind of everything it was like my dream job because it was local and i got offered a position straight away um yeah went into full-time work and I found not long after that I kind of I remember having a conversation with my mom and going is this what life is like is this I've worked so hard over the last four years is this what I'm meant to be doing up until I retire Mm. Um, and I just had this that feeling constantly each and every day and over the week and it wasn't long after that I found myself super burnt out and I was sick constantly. Mm. And then that led to me being diagnosed with severe chronic fatigue and vertigo. And yeah, I kind of felt a bit stuck because I was doing everything that I was told Mm. I was meant to be doing. I went to university, I got a full-time job, I was working and just I wasn't fulfilled every day. I felt like I was kind of um working for my weekends and working for my days off and I was losing my passion in my job and so it got to the New South Wales lockdowns last year where our service moved fully to telehealth so that meant that I was working from home and I it was actually awesome because I was able to work with what was more productive for me and I had way more control over my calendar and then I started putting more of those like positive habits into practice that I almost had forgotten about so I started doing all of that and I reached out to one of my friends and 
explained how I was feeling and kind of the situation I was in because I was terrified of going back to full-time work in an office after the New South Wales lockdowns were going to end. Mm. Was, so, it, was the culture good or is it just like the grind of being in the office all the time? The culture was good. Um, I loved everyone that I was working with. It was just the grind. It was just that that mundane feeling of like nine to five. No creativity. No creativity. Though. And then in a private center, you're really kind of boxed in with what you can and can't do. Mm. So I just found I was doing, even though with my kiddos that I was working with, the even though they had different goals, I was finding I was doing the same thing over and over and over each and every day. And I, that just did my head in. I just couldn't. It was the worst feeling ever. So, yeah, I had a chat to my friend, explained everything that was going on. And she actually said, this is super common in pediatrics. It happens so often that a new grad will come in and they'll get burnout and sick. And they ended up leaving the role just because it's too much. And that's kind of where I felt I was at. Yeah. Um, and so she said, our workplace is actually looking for a new OT. You could approach them and kind of say what you wanted in a position and a role. Mm -hmm. So I got to that point, I got offered a new position at a new center. And then that was all exciting. I was super happy. And then those feelings of anxiety started to creep back in. Mm. And I realized I was, I just couldn't go back into that setting yeah. again. Yeah. Because you were li you were healthy in like just in terms of listening to this, you always trained outside. Yeah. Like yeah, it wasn't like you were just going to feel that way in any job. No. It was like you could tell when you stepped in. Yeah, versus when you weren't in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm super intuitive, and I just had a feeling in my gut that something was. I'm not meant to be doing this. Mm. And so then that kind of led me to going, okay, well, what do I do? If I can't work for someone else, what am I meant to be doing? And I kind of knew that my end goal was having my own kind of wellness studio. I always knew that that was something that I wanted to do. I just didn't realize how soon that would be. And so, yeah, that kind of led me to starting Nature's Lane and... Here we are today. How would you describe Nature's Lane in terms of who you work with, what you do, mm -hmm. and I guess the general sort of vibe and, and sort of feeling of the business, yep. what it's about? Um, so I work a lot with kiddos that have a formal diagnosis. So that might be autism or ADHD or a developmental delay. But then I also work with kids that they might just need a little bit of extra help in some of their motor skills um, or just anything that they're doing throughout their daily lives. So they're predominantly the kids that I work with. But I'm finding most of the families and kids on my caseload are kids that have started off in a service. They haven't been happy with the service that they were provided and they've reached out and have wanted to do something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So I guess the great thing about Nature's Lane is 
I do have a lot of flexibility around what I can do with my kids. We can go to the park if a child works better outside. We can go to the beach. We can do it in their home. Mm. There's a lot of different, yeah, it's just more flexible in what I can do. Um, more creativity. Yeah, it's just overall finding out what works best for the family and the child and incorporating that into our therapy sessions. Yeah. What is it about the other systems or the other centers that doesn't work for these kids? So you you have like you can sort of bespoke mm-hmm. the service and is it that they're just too big and too systemized now? Like there's it's created this gap yeah. for people like yourself to to bring the human approach or is it that they're just servicing too many kids and they lose mm-hmm. the touch? What's the, what do they come to you? Like, what's that problem? Cause I would imagine that those services they've been going for a long time. So yep. they know what they're doing or yep. they have like, it's not like they're not uh, knowledgeable. Yeah. Uh, what is the problem? I guess that you're solving. Probably a little bit of both of those things. So I think when a business does get super big, they naturally fall into that system of trying to see as many kiddos as they can. Mm. And that's where I I didn't really fit into that category because I naturally am a really caring person and I wanted to provide the best service for my kids. But when you're seeing that many kids a day, Mm. you just can't do that. There's not enough hours in the day to plan and sit down and think about what you want to do for that therapy session. So you naturally fall into that system of doing the same things over and over. But yeah. So I like that. I think something that in business, a lot of times people get caught up in numbers yeah more clients more like and that's kind of that trap from that other system yeah and quite often it's like no what about like a better match of a client or a better fit Mm -hmm. and usually that leads to more anyway because it's you know a better relationship yeah um so when you went all right i'm gonna go from because basically the flip is someone else is feeding me work yep to I have to go like meet people or I have to do marketing yeah, or whatever it is. What was that like for you? What did you do? And were you, uh, how did you feel? Were you freaking out about it? Was it something that was like made total sense? Like I've yeah. just got to find some kids. Yeah. How did you go about that first, I guess month, I think would be the scary part for someone starting out. Yeah. Yep. What did you, what was your mindset and what did you, do to help uh total freak out (laughs) um but then also I definitely had this feeling of kind of trust the process everything's going to be okay I just had this feeling that I was on my path and I was doing what I was meant to be doing so anytime those feelings of anxiety creeped in that other feeling of this is what you're meant to be doing also was there. So I just tried to focus on that. Um, I probably did what every person in a new business does and set up socials, website, all the important logos, all of that sort of thing. And that's probably when I messaged you and said, hey, I have no idea what I'm going to do next. Um, Where do I find clients? How do I market that? 
whole side of things was just the biggest blur. I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Mm. So yeah, I think having a business group or a mentor or someone to say, yep, you're on the right track. Have you tried doing this or have you tried doing that? That was the biggest help out of everything else. Mm. Um, I'm also a bit of a introverted person. So for me, going out and talking to people doesn't come naturally. So that was another part of it. I really had to step out of my comfort zone and say, this is what I really want to be doing with my life. So taking that step and kind of getting my confidence with talking to other people that's a really big part of it Mm. so i want to come i want to come back to that Mm -hmm. sort of confidence work ethic thing because you say it's part that was really hard but you actually relative to say you know 100 business owners who might have to go and do that you did it pretty quickly yeah and sort of embraced it but i just had one quick question in terms of i guess a bit of a personal question when you went to go solo, were you financially in a place where you had a buffer, mm-hmm. like whether it was a couple thousand dollars saved yeah. or whether it was support or like yeah. some way of living or was it like, I need something tomorrow? Like yeah. what was the, the mindset in terms of that resource? And yeah, I definitely had a buffer. Okay. So towards the in between when I was almost starting that new role and my current job I had saved enough that I was planning to take about four months off work anyway so I guess everything just kind of fell into place when I did want to start my own thing because I was I could breathe a little bit I went okay I've got four months to kind of get everything sorted I kind of made out a plan that how many clients do I need to see to like, survive. what's the, what to survive yeah. essentially. So that's what I kind of worked out. And once I had that number of clients, like I think it was only like three, two or three clients a week. That mm-hmm. was just the bare minimum. And from there, I kind of could relax a little bit and do things more organically and naturally. So I didn't have yeah. to stress as much. Yeah. Yeah. And in hindsight, that's not a lot of clients, but when no. you have zero, yeah and or you're thinking about starting and you go out and and maybe you get a few no's in a row mm-hmm. or something like oh no yeah. i don't think so like three's a lot yeah you know what i mean it's a, it's one of those perspective things yeah um okay so when you you started to do some marketing mm-hmm. you started to meet people could you talk about maybe what you've what's been effective or what you've enjoyed in terms of building awareness around nature's lane mm-hmm. and meeting people who maybe sometimes become clients yep. or building relationships, whether that's online mm-hmm. or offline, what's been something or the things that you've found yep. good? Um, I think early on, I'm a pretty organized person. So each week, I think the thing that helped most was I would set an offline target and an online target. So at least once a week, I would have to do like both of those once a week as like a marketing kind of strategy. So 
offline would be like going to an event or just meeting someone that was kind of in my field for coffee or just something in person and then online I would either be like emailing a couple of different services and saying hey I don't have a wait list at the moment this is what I'm about and this is what I do or just sending people flyers or anything online could be even my socials as well yeah um so I I did that pretty much straight away I did both of one of those once a week um and then yeah I think just yeah I don't know what else well when you did the offline Mm -hmm. and this is getting to nuts and bolts uh, but I think for some people will be helpful when you say I meet with people who are like-minded or in a similar thing some people this is very scary yeah like especially today in the world of like instagram yeah where it can feel like okay i'm going to start a business and it's a mostly online business so therefore if i put things out online Mm -hmm. business will just come because it makes sense that's like if you draw the line from the two that's what it looks like yeah and but but often like without that offline connection or relationship starting the online trust isn't there and yeah it's a lot harder than sometimes what people think when you say you built what you went to meet people who are like-minded offline like what did you do cold message them email them like uh, did you already know them yeah so there were most of the people that i had already uh that I knew but I wouldn't necessarily before ask them to catch up yeah um so in my head I thought if I reached out to these people not it wasn't even to talk about my business it was just to build relationships with them to potentially in the future if if they had a kiddo that would come up to them and say this person needs OT they would go, oh, Jade's an OT and would possibly refer them on to me. So I just wanted to build those relationships early on. And I think it was, yeah, it was more in my head that Nature's Lane is me. Like I'm Nature's Lane. So wherever I go, I can be talking to people and building those relationships with potentially clients, even if that's a month, six months down the track or a year down the track. Yeah. So, And the more you declare it in those conversations, the more confident you feel about it. Yeah. 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 The early on conversations were pretty tricky. Yeah. Um, I remember on the drive to catching up with people, I would be rehearsing what I would want to say. Whereas now it comes a lot more easily yeah (laughs) yeah and talk us through the how did that work so you went from basically zero then you had to hit three in Mm -hmm. order to survive then you can breathe a little bit better what where are you at now and what was the main drivers for getting you to how what your business looks like for you now how you're able to work and yeah sort of balance it all so at the moment i'm seeing eight clients a week And that was a big goal for me because it meant that I was covering my wage from my previous job. So that was a big target for me. If I could reach eight clients a week, then I would be kind of able to relax a little bit and not... It meant that in the future, when I got to a point that I was ready to increase my clients, I would do that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but at the moment it was kind of just I can focus on a few other things like if there was projects I wanted to do I could focus on that yeah um but yeah okay and that was just the you just repeated that process Over offline meeting yeah bit of online yeah and slowly surely met new yeah client. yeah and I think just thinking outside of the box in terms of where I could find potential clients so one week if I had posted in a Newcastle autism group on Facebook the next week I would email a few psychology places so it just meant each week trying to do something different Mm -hmm. and not repeat that over and over again yeah yeah could you talk a little bit about social media getting yourself out there Mm -hmm. has it even been helpful in your world and what role does it play so far, what I'm picking up is everything's organic. There's yep. no ads or anything paid marketing. No. What is your what is what does your online kind of world look like, and how do you think about it? Um, I love making content as well. So I think that was also uh, from early on. That was kind of a way for me to breathe a little bit because I was still putting my business out there but I could kind of do something that was enjoyable Mm -hmm. so I did that pretty early on Um, and then it's just grown gradually I haven't paid for anything or done any ads Um, and I think just reframing the message that I'm kind of trying to get across in my content is probably where I've shifted over the last couple of weeks. Um, having more intention in what I'm posting and making sure there's always a message behind it. But I've had, I guess a great thing about it is I've had people from, like I had people from all around Australia and I had a lady from America reach out to me and say, I'm exactly where you were. What are the steps to get to where you are now? So oh, cool. that has been, yeah, that was such an incredible thing to happen to think that I still think of myself as pretty small and it's pretty incredible what I've grown over the last eight months Mm -hmm. so for someone that's overseas to reach out to me and kind of be inspired by what I'm doing that just meant the world so I love having things like that happen so good yeah uh okay and so in terms of the business you got basically happy with client load Mm -hmm. ticking along um, I know that you, you maintain, like you still train and you yeah. have a pretty, like you, you get outside, like you've got yeah. a pretty good balance going. Do you want to just quickly mention that? Like how you, cause obviously what you're teaching the kids yeah. is all to do with what I'm health. doing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you, you're, you're leading from the front and making sure that you do that. Yeah. Uh, what is, how do you set those boundaries in terms of not just piling on work and yeah. I think um, that's still something that I'm trying to work on is that I don't have to work eight to 10 hours a day just to get everything done. So that's something that I'm trying to get out of the mindset of is if I'm getting, if I set a list of what I want to get done throughout the day and I get everything done, um, then I can go out and enjoy the sunshine or I can go out and train or I can meet up with friends. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm working any less. It just means that I'm working more productively. And I think that's super important, especially with the kids that I'm working with, because that's 
the message that I'm trying to get across is that you can live your dream life. You can live each day with meaning and purpose. You don't have to work 12 hours a day and be exhausted when you get home. So that's something that I want to teach kids from an early age is that you can have that work-life balance. You don't need to, you don't need to power more stuff on top. No, no. And if I get everything done, I don't need to sit at the desk for another four hours and add more work onto my list. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So going forward, is it a case of hiring others to help you inside of nature's lane Mm -hmm. with more kids? Is it a case of, uh, you know, to maintain that lifestyle balance as well? How do you have plans mm-hmm. or is it uh, or other offers or other things, yep. or other projects? Yeah. So definitely I'd love to increase my days that I'm seeing clients. So at the moment I'm only seeing clients Wednesdays and Thursdays and now one kiddo on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So eventually I'd love to see kids three days a week. That's the end goal. I probably wouldn't see any more on the other days um, because I do love – the projects that I'm working on and the additional things that I can do alongside one-on-one therapy sessions. So um, that might be uh, like workshops or home programs or content, just a whole heap of things that I also would love to do in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of it could be scalable offers or things that could help. Yeah. A hundred kids. Yeah. If you create them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And final question, I guess a little more practical. You work face to face, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's uh I think that's really cool, but also like what's your you know, you came from when it was in lockdown, everything mm-hmm. was on telehealth. Yeah. Now you're face to face, obviously you you see value in that interaction. What are you doing? What do you do when someone reaches out when they're not local? Yep. So Does that I, happen? Yeah. So I've got one kiddo who I think they're in Melbourne um, and she's a telehealth client. So it just depends on obviously the client's goals are most important at the end of the day. So if I can provide a telehealth service to them and that they can still achieve their goals, then I would hands down take them on as a client. But if I felt that they weren't the right fit and they really needed that face-to-face therapy service, I would probably help them find someone that was more local to them. But definitely if the client fits, then I would take them on for online. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we're pretty much there. Do you want to give a quick, uh, a quick example mm-hmm. of what the kids go. Let's say you work with someone for six months. Yeah. What's the What's the journey for one of the kids? Yep. I'm just thinking of someone's listening, obviously, and not to send you clients or anything, but yeah. just to go. Okay, well, what What are we actually talking about? Yeah. I probably should have covered this earlier. Yeah, that's okay. But yeah, what's that life cycle look like, and yep. what do the kids? I suppose you know, in inverted commas, get out of it? Like what's the result that they see over time? So essentially a child might come to me first. So I see clients from about two up until, I can see them till 18 years of age, but most of my kiddos are under 12 at the moment. So two to 12. Um, 
the most common thing that kids will come to me for is fine motor skills, like fine motor skills, emotional regulation or social skills. So I'd say they're probably the biggest three areas that we would work on. So what is that just in, in terms of like super broken down <laughs> like if if i'm struggling in fine motor skills or emotional regulation yeah. it's like yeah outbursts of emotion yeah so like, emotional regulation means that um a child might be having difficulty to recognize what emotions they're feeling and then react appropriately so they don't have those tools to if they were feeling sad or angry to go oh my gosh i am feeling like this to recognize why they're feeling like that and then react in an appropriate way so a lot of kids might have huge meltdowns or emotional outbursts so they just don't have those skills Sounds that like they training, need to training we need for adults yeah <laughs> definitely yeah and then motor skills yeah motor skills so that's uh doing movement essentially so fine motor skills are when we're using our hands for small and complex tasks so for kids that can be handwriting it can be self-care skills like opening um or like undoing buttons or uh, opening packets drink bottles cutting anything when you're using your fingers essentially um so a lot of kids are delayed in that area um and it really plays into you think of how much you use your hands on a daily basis so if yeah. you're delayed in those skills they're going to struggle with everything they're going to get frustrated and then their confidence is going to start to lower as well yeah so it's kind yeah. of like training basically yeah. Right? yeah 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 so yeah so i'd say they're probably the main areas that we work on um but then embedded in my therapy we also touch on areas of well-being as well so looking at what food we're putting into our body, how sleep is affecting how we function on a daily basis. Are we moving our bodies in a way that is meaningful to us and Mm -hmm. feels good rather than just doing it because we're told that physical exercise is what we need to do. Um, So they're kind of the the areas that I will will work on with a kiddo. Um, It is dependent on their age and what is appropriate for them though. So that's why all kids are kind of slightly different. And so most of the kids will be on an OT service for a little while, at least until they get up to seven, because at each stage of their life, new concerns and new difficulties are going to arise as they develop. So that's why a child might come and see me from when they're four, but you see them for a year or two years because new things start to arise. And do you work in with the parents? Yes, all the time. Yeah, that's a huge part of therapy is educating parents and coaching them around verbal prompting and cues that they're using and what they're doing when they're not in therapy. Mm. So most of the kids I see either for one hour a week or fortnightly. So then there's all those other hours where the parents need to start implementing things in therapy sessions into their everyday life. Yeah. So that's a huge, huge part of therapy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Any words that you would give to, let's say the person who reached out to you from, mm-hmm. was it from the States? Yeah. Who's there, there in, and I think it would cross over to other types of services as well, where you're yeah. in the machine, you're not really loving it and you want to do your own thing but you it's usually what i'd say it's been like a year or two already Mm -hmm. thinking about that but you're still in the machine like usually it's just a case of getting drawn out yep 
what would you say to them or would you give them any tips to take the first steps and start to like take action yeah i think if they're already thinking about it then that's something that they should be doing um i think there's a lot of things that you can do while you're still working full time so that's if you want to you can start setting up like a business name your abn doing all of those things in the background um i think making sure that you do have a little bit of a financial buffer helps as well and that means that you can take a little bit of time off before actually starting up a business so they're probably the main things and then reaching out and finding a business group or a mentor someone who's someone that has done it before and someone that can kind of coach you along the way Mm. so they're probably the the biggest things that i would suggest yeah yeah okay cool anything else you want to add i don't think so no i think that's okay all right we'll pop the links for your pages and stuff in the show notes if you listening thank you for tuning in to another episode and connect with jade i'm sure you'd love to hear from people and uh, talk business and that kind of stuff and then the most helpful thing you can do for us is subscribe to the show and send this along to someone if you think they might find it helpful and we'll see you on the next episode